This week on the Virtcast, Alex Kranz, Chris Welch, and Tom Warren join the show. We talk about Microsoft's metaverse announcements. Yes, Microsoft go through Apple's new Beats Fit Pro headphones. Might be better than the AirPods Pro. And a little lightning round of gadget news. That's coming up on the Virtcast now. Support for the podcast comes from Canva. Presenting to a group of your colleagues can be nerve-wracking. So why not ease some of that anxiety with Canva? Thanks to their AI, you can start with a simple prompt and watch Canva go to work. Choose your favorite style, customize the content, and that's it. You're done. It's a serious time saver. Whatever you do for work, Canva presentations can give you a head start on your deck. You generate sales presentations, marketing decks, HR onboarding plans, you name it. Finish your deck faster. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com, designed for work. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business. It's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's why you might want to check out State Farm Small Business Insurance. Why? Because State Farm agents are small business owners too, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hello and welcome to Vergecast, the flagship podcast of recording problems and the metaverse. It's a two-for-one deal on the nation's favorite podcast today. Huh? Mm-hmm. I'm your friend, Eli. Dieter Bone is here. I'm a spreadsheet and a PowerPoint and a document and a note in the metaverse. Oh, boy. The Enterprise Metaverse is here, my friends. Tom Warren is here to talk about it with us. Hello. I'm in a metaverse somewhere, but I'm not a spreadsheet. Well, I can't see your legs, so you could be in the metaverse. <laughs> oh, that's true. Alex Kranz is here. If Zoom ever does avatars for the metaverse, I'll be one of those. You can do it in Teams. This is the news. So there's oh. a, there's like a bunch of stuff happening uh, this week uh, that is all, it's all the metaverse all the time now. We're going to talk about Microsoft had an event. They did their own metaverse stuff. There's some new headphones. Chris Welch is going to join us. There's Facebook news. There's always Facebook news. There's electric car news, all kinds of things going on. But first, I just want to say this out loud. This, this is it. This is the week that The Verge turned 10. Yeah. It's not Dieter and I have had been on a roller coaster of emotions this whole week. It's been a lot, but but we're done now. We're done we're having t- emotions for for a while. For 10 more years. We've had enough. A little inside baseball the Verge team is every time we do anything. First of all, we our biggest strength and our greatest weakness is that we just move on to the next thing. Yeah. Like we're just all it's like, like great, we did it. What's the next thing? Which again is a strength and a weakness. But we're also like we're very good at what to, what could we do better mm-hmm. for the next time? So that's everyone's instinct, right? We did the 10-year package. We should take it down and move on to the next thing. Like, no, that's 10 years of work. Like, leave it. Just like, let it ride for a minute. <laughs> that's good. And then everyone's like, for, you know, next time we got to do X, Y, and Z better. I'm like, next time is 10 years away. <laughs> like, we, we, we're going to learn a lot of things about what yeah. to do better. The next we'll be time. in the metaverse then. We'll be. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll have no legs in 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> That's the goal. But I do want to say once again, thank you for everyone for reading. We put up the package, a very funny sort of inside joke that our design team didn't know. They, they, were, they were previewing the package to me and I started laughing. So the navigation of our big Verge 10 is a riff on something called the zoom quilt. So it's a huge image. And as you click around it, you like move around the image and see different parts of it. Yeah. In our like earliest verge design meetings, our friend Josh Topolsky, our co-founder well, it's like the whole site should be a zoom quilt. And we like talked about it a lot. Yeah. Um, so our old designers from that, from back then were all like, 
you you did a Zoom quilt thing. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just a confluence of events, which I think is very funny. And Josh thought it was very funny too. He had a very nice thread. All those emotions, 10 years, we made it. But like I said, our biggest strength, one of our weaknesses. We're on to the next thing. And the next thing is an HTML table. We're going to, we're going to slice up a JPEG and we're going to display it in TRs and TDs. And each one's going to be a, a full link. It's going to be great. Yeah. Our tables are not great. We actually make better tables on the site. That'd be, that'd be a huge improvement. For <laughs> but thank you to everybody who reached out, read the packages, read all the pieces. If you haven't done it, uh, you're listening to this on a Friday, pull over in your car and just spend the next couple days in your car on the side of the road. Uh, there's just a lot of stuff to look at, both stuff looking at the past, we have a great list. Uh, Heim did a great list of the worst gadgets we've ever reviewed with yeah. like amazing animations. We have some of our favorite stuff and then we have a bunch of stuff looking at the future. So if you haven't taken the time, this weekend's a great time. Read all that stuff. Thank you for reading. We've got, it's not over. There's another decade of the verge to come. And we'll, I promise we'll apply some learnings from this one to the next, to the verge 20. <laughs> okay. News. Tom, there's a big Microsoft event this week. What was going on? Yeah, so it was Ignite, which is the second Ignite they've had this year, actually. So they just keep igniting the Ignites. The big news is Microsoft's now officially using the buzz term metaverse. So they, they have their enterprise metaverse now with 3D avatars, immersive meetings, all this sort of stuff. So the, the dream is that you will jump into a Teams meeting, don your headset or your HoloLens or whatever, jump into some virtual space and then start playing with PowerPoint in that virtual space with all your co-workers without legs. For some reason, all the 3D avatars don't have legs. I don't, I don't know why. How mad are they at Facebook right now? Because they were talking about this kind of metaverse thing mm -hmm. like four or five years ago. I remember I went to an event in like San Francisco where we all sat around and they're like, soon you'll wear a headset and you'll have yeah. all your meetings inside. And we all laughed at them. And then Facebook did it. We laughed at them. And now they're like, but we still want to do it. <laughs> but everybody's talking about Facebook, but we did it first. We did the dumb thing first. Like, are they yeah. mad? I feel like they've been nervous stroke mad of Facebook's efforts to do stuff in the workplace for a while. So it was kind of interesting that they, they announced basically everything that Microsoft's kind of doing the other week. Or like, you know, they showed you know future concepts essentially and microsoft's really kind of only shown that as well so it's like they're both they're both obviously really competing hard to deliver the same thing that does everyone want that right now i don't know probably not but yeah they must be the, the competition is on now between them two so because facebook is very aggressively trying to get into the enterprise and into into businesses so which is basically where all this stuff's being used right now anyway so because microsoft pivoted hard with, with hololens to to the uh, commercial space so well so one one question i have is microsoft's only headset is the hololens yeah which is cool in its way it is not anything close to a consumer headset mm -hmm. it's certainly not a vr headset no so they're, they're doing the metaverse you, you cannot, I don't know. I'm like, they're very sarcastic air quotes. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I want everyone to know. They're doing the metaverse, but they're doing it in like, I don't know. It feels like you're going to be in the metaverse with an Xbox controller on your couch, not yeah. in VR. They're doing it in a, in a way that basically most people that be participating in it will be, won't be wearing a headset, right? So, so teams is going to be updated. So you can, you could basically say, I was having this meeting with you guys now. Um, we're all on video in a zoom call right now, talking to each other, but I could perhaps turn my webcam off and use an avatar instead, which would then take all the words that I'm saying, all my audio cues, and then basically animate itself 
as if it yeah. was me, <laughs> which is kind of weird. But I just like the transition point of that is like, I'm in a meeting with a bunch of people in a cartoon of Tom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Imagine being fired by a cartoon boss. <laughs> like that's what's going to happen right? <laughs> somewhere, some, some place. You know, if I can predict what company will do that, it, it's it'll it, what media company. That's actually a fun game. What media company will have cartoon layoffs first? <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking of Ooh. two. There's two front runners. I want. <laughs> I was like, I get some ideas. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. That's a total media company. And I'm. Just, I apologize, <laughs> the audience. It is not deep on media Twitter, but six people are going to think that's hilarious. But that's like that is the weird transition point, right? Like if you look yeah. at the stack of things Facebook has, Facebook has the VR platform. Mm-hmm. It has an operating system. It has apps. It has, it's built all the stuff to put your computer in VR with you, mm-hmm. which is like yep. the ultimate dongle, right? Like an app that runs on your computer that shows your computer in VR is like a very funny concept, but it yeah. works. It Again, there's a lot of air quotes here. It works, <laughs> but they have no software. Like they don't no. have an email client or docs. Like they don't. You can't actually work in Facebook's version of the metaverse. Yeah. But like, like they've built the hardware to enable. And Microsoft has none of the hardware, none of the application ecosystem. Mm-hmm. And they've got all the software that you actually need to use. Well, I mean, Microsoft does have their mixed reality headsets, but like when I say they have them, it's like there's like one or two left. Yeah. But, but mixed reality is still, you're in, you're not in the metaverse, dog. No. Like, yeah. Whatever Aren't that you, is. I don't know what Aren't it is you, yet, but I know yeah. you're not in it. I think we've seen them like they they did a metaverse because remember when they launched all these these headsets and it was going to be the whole thing and, and Satya got up and was like this is the v- VR is the future of the workplace and then we all got a little house and I immediately <laughs> filled mine with like giant dinosaurs and that was like that was the metaverse right I just couldn't invite anyone in it was like yeah. my weird little fort so is Animal Crossing the metaverse yeah. Right? They also yeah. have Alt Space VR as well. They acquired that, which is its own metaverse, right? So, all right, I'm putting a line <laughs> in the sand. Yeah, yeah. You got you got to be in VR to be in the metaverse. No. Oh. Yep. That's my no. that's my line. Other everything else is just it's just a rebrand. It's just they they renamed Verizon Media to Yahoo Ad Tech, which is a real <laughs> thing that happened. <laughs> TechCrunch and Engadget are now owned by a company called Yahoo Ad Tech. That's they just were like screw it, we're going for it. It's just a rebrand. You're just rebranding video games as the metaverse. Unless yeah. you're wearing a headset and doing stuff. So I think that it, the rebrand is right. You know how every so often like, well, we need a new gen so that we can argue about stuff and we can complain <laughs> about the kids, you know, we're Gen yeah. X and Gen Z and Gen Y and blah, 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 blah. That's all the metaphors is. Honestly, that's like <laughs> all that Web3 is at this point or crypto is like, oh, we've got some new stuff and we need to have a metaphor to like lump it together so we can feel like it's new. And that's. That's, that's what the metaverse is turning into. It's turning into a meaningless term very, very quickly. Disclosure, my spouse works for meta. <laughs> that's true. You got to say it now. I, I would say that that places it fully in our strike zone on the show. <laughs> what's, a, what's a computer? What's a metaverse? There we go. We uh, don't know yet. So I'm just, here's my little line in the sand. It's a singularity. I, Nadella said this during his Ignite presentation. The whole point is the digital world will come into the physical world and the physical world will go into the digital world. Right. And you'll interact with them on some level of equivalence. Sure. You can't really do that with HoloLens right now. You're not going to sit around at work wearing a HoloLens with like a cartoon of your boss in the court, like in the tiny field of vision all day. Like you can't have a Teams meeting in HoloLens to any realistic degree that you would want to actually get work done in. Maybe you will someday. Do you think that the HoloLens team actually has to do that? 
Like, like I'm, I'm imagining when he invented the Palm Pilot in the 90s, Jeff Hawkins carried around a block of wood and pretended that he had like a little hand computer. Like the worst dog fooding. Yeah. They all have to wear the headsets all the time and pretend like the battery hasn't run out and just imagine that everything is out there in front of them. This explains the very slow pace of HoloLens development. I, I absolutely <laughs> think that Alex Kipman just probably does all of his meetings with HoloLens headset. Yeah. Like, I, I like to think that he does. Yeah. All I'm saying is that it's... Facebook's making this big push to work, which, you know, maybe their rebrand to Meta will make it easier to sell Facebook enterprise software to people. Because if I was running a business, I would not be like, I want to use Facebook's work tools, given the baggage of Facebook. But now it's Meta. It's a different company that has nothing to do with those problems. (laughs) Sure. On the other hand, Microsoft already has the tools that everyone's buying. So if they are racing in the same direction, they're, they're starting from they each have the thing the other one doesn't and they're racing into the same place. I think the big question is, can Microsoft get serious about VR headsets, which at least in the short term are the thing that actually enable a bunch of the experiences they're trying to show you. Like, why don't they just buy the Vive? Yeah. You'd like to think they could just work together and sort of share the platform, but obviously that that doesn't benefit either of them, does it? But it's a similar sort of concept to the beginning of the iPhone, right? Like, Apple obviously built the hardware and didn't didn't quite have the software and the apps and that sort of stuff. And then it slowly, like, well, I'm going to say slowly, like quickly became a massive platform and beyond anything that I thought that that we thought it would be when it, when they first announced the iPhone. And I think that's kind of the same with potentially with what whatever Meta could be doing here. Um, some of the concepts they have are pretty interesting, and I I'd, I'd argue that getting the hardware right is more important than than the software straight away because you can build the software on top of it, right? You can you can improve that software, um, but getting the hardware wrong and rolling that stuff out mm-hmm. is is a, is a harder thing to come back from. So Microsoft has obviously done the Hololens that hardware was not great to begin with it's it's improved and they've got some really interesting patents and really interesting work going on there but that stuff's so early i think whereas i just feel like meta's going to come in here and shake things up a little bit more than than we might think they would i have a a deeply maybe hostile question is is like this just Windows Phone 2.0? That's the chest, everybody. Uh, you can send your notes to Alex. She's Alex H. Kranz on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, like, obviously with Windows Phone, they, they didn't have the apps. It's a, it's a bit bit of a different thing, yeah. isn't it? Because the, the way that their position is, is they're, they're leveraging off of Teams, right? Which yeah. they have... I mean, if you're Slack, you will say that they just forced it down people's throats. If you're Microsoft, you'll say that 150 million people use it all the time and they love it. You know, like it, it really depends on on your your point of view of how well they've actually done with with Teams or if they're just forcing it on people with Office. But they do have that Office base. They have that enterprise base. So they have they have some leeway there to like experiment around with whereas they obviously didn't have that windows phone like they had to all the decisions they made they had to make right and they made you know some pretty wrong decisions um in my eyes but like i, f- I feel like they, they've definitely had a head start with the hololens and some of that mixed reality work but it hasn't really gone anywhere like it's not as if they're known for that right now um they're, they're obviously they're known for the hololens but not definitely not on the vr side and the, and the stuff that they're trying to really push out with mesh and this integration into teams like you say Eli, like it, it does feel like a rebranding of vr in a way and you kind of to really fully participate in it in, in the vision that they're trying to sort of like lay out here 
like surely you're gonna have to use a VR headset, right? Like, right. do I mean, you really want an avatar just running around as you without you really being there? Yeah, almost? I'm looking like, at some of these screenshots. I'm like, this seems like it would be horrible. Like, yeah. you've got a browser <laughs> window open on your laptop, and you're like, your little dude is like running around a room with a light. It's like, why would I? I would just. I'm just gonna call you on the phone, man. Like. I don't, need to, I don't need to do that. The only slight argument against that is like there's a company called Spatial, which does a lot of this work already. Um, and I don't know if you guys have used it, but it's, it's super interesting when you're doing like meetings with people you haven't met or like coworkers and stuff. And you like do little huddles in a virtual room and then you can do like the side chats and stuff. That sort of stuff is really interesting. So if, I think if they do basically what Spatial's doing, then it could be kind of interesting for teams for sure. Do you know the coolest uh, spatial feature is they, uh, they started this, this was like their thing and they moved to huddles and all this other stuff. Yeah. Their whole idea is that everyone in it, if you have an office and you have remote people, their whole idea is that everybody in the office, the meeting room will have their laptop open and spatial open and they'll right. use all of the laptop microphones to <laughs> finally make that sound good. That's which, true. Yeah. I mean like, we it's what everybody complains about when like six people are in a conference room and one person is remote, like the one person who's remote has a bad experience. So I think that stuff's cool, but it's still just like laptop stuff to Microsoft's credit. Every VR headset that isn't the quest basically runs on windows. Right. So like there's a little bit of a connection there. Like I mentioned, like the high end vibe, the high end Oculus headset runs on windows. Like, so they, they've got the literal connection there if they want to take advantage of it. I think it's just weird they haven't done what Sony has done. Like the Xbox is a very powerful console. They could make a headset for it and kind of jump into it. And Nadella kind of hinted at like the fact that obviously Minecraft is considered a metaverse. And oh, no, wait, here's the quote. The quote is very good. It's very good. Dieter, to your point about rebrands, mm-hmm. you can absolutely expect us to do things in gaming, he said. If you take Halo as a game, it is a metaverse. Yeah. Minecraft is a metaverse. <laughs> so is Flight Sim. In some sense, they're 2D today. And the question is, can you take that to a full 3D world? And we plan to do so. Absolutely plan to do so. Everything's a metaverse, guys. I'd love to know how Halo is a metaverse, but... <laughs> Red versus blue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But like Flight, Flight Sim is like super interesting in that. And obviously Minecraft as well. But Flight Sim has the fact that you can just basically be flying in the sky alongside other you know, players in a, in a real world essential environment. So that's like, I don't know if they can, if they can make that into more sort of metaverse <laughs> that could be interesting. But. The thing we're also not talking about is HP, who's like the largest, I think, right. Largest provider of PCs to the, the enterprise space. And they're also mm. still very much, in the VR headset game. Like they just released one earlier this year. And so it definitely seems like Microsoft is low key got a plan. They're just not sharing all of it with us. They're tying all the dots together. Yeah. Yeah. So, so here's the biggest criticism of all these metaverse plans that I've encountered online. They require being in the metaverse. <laughs> that we have to keep saying metaverse. Uh, it's a real problem. And I'm just sort of curious for everyone's take on this. All of these visions are just tremendously boring. <laughs> like what here we're going to build all of this technology and we're going to all this stuff and we're going to change your relationship to the digital world and we're going to do nfts so your clothes can follow you from one from the halo metaverse to the minecraft but whatever it'd be amazing if you were wearing the same clothes in halo and minecraft by the way but at the end of it the killer app that they're putting forward to you is like you without legs at a conference table do, doing something like doing some work 
like yeah. excel in the metaverse this is the end goal of all of this. <laughs> and like, great. I understand that we've all spent a lot of time in the pandemic and like, there's been a lot of remote work for, for a lot of people. We're like rethinking our relationship to screens and meeting. Like I get that there's all that pent up energy, but I'm also just like, yeah, at the end of all of these visions, it's like people do an office work in a different way. Yeah. In a different way. It's kind of horrifying because I, I worked at a job one time where the great vision of of the, the person in charge, the CEO, we'd, we'd like we'd move to being a fully remote company. This isn't Vox Media. We'd move to being a fully remote <laughs> company. And the great vision of the CEO was to have giant TVs in every like space where where all the workers were. So that remote people could always appear on the giant TV and, oh and participate. And I'm like, Galaxy Brain, that's a little like Microsoft. Yeah, it's Microsoft's metaverse. <laughs> so this this uh, this unnamed CEO, who's no longer CEO, like that was their vision. And and Microsoft is like, yeah. And part of me is like, that almost makes sense. But then all the other part of me remembers when that was like discussed and everybody said, no, I don't want a giant vision of my distant co-workers hovering above my head. Do you remember mm. when we um, we had James with that telepresent robot thing and he was going around the, uh, the office? Yeah, the iPad on, yeah. The iPad on a Segway. The iPad that was the metaverse. Yeah. That yeah. was my vision, by the way, was iPads on a Segway, just floating around with like British people being like, oi, <laughs> how do you do, governor? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just for a tea. That's, that's your impression of a British person. <laughs> that's all you got. I had this pure moment of like, am I going to get canceled for my British person? <laughs> and so I cut it down. I was like, oh, this is it. This is what cancels me. <laughs> you just get canceled for the worst British impression ever. <laughs> no, but we did. There's a great video. You can look at it on our site. We we were like James Vincent. We've got an iPad on a Segway, a telepresence robot. That's fundamentally what it was. Just like spend a week trying to work with us. And the week was like, I don't know. The thing just kept bumping into things and falling over. And, and, and him having to shout to people to unlock doors and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was very strange, but... Well, so this is why the metaverse is in advance. Is, is instead of being on a Segway, now there's just you're just legless. You could just float. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So just float through the door. It's, it's just very clear we're in this like early hype period with all yeah. of this stuff. Everyone's, everything's just getting rebranded as a metaverse. But the core of the idea, I think, is... Between Facebook and Microsoft, it does have a set of boundaries, right? You're going to do things in a virtual space mm -hmm. instead of a physical space and actually spend like meaningful time in those virtual spaces. Yeah. And I think like this is definitely going off at the deep end. Like this is the extreme of like us trying to figure out exactly how we're all going to work remotely and stuff, right? Like it, for years, like, I've obviously worked at, to, at The Verge for nearly 10 years now and, and jumping into meetings remotely is always a pain there's a time zone like you don't always feel part of the team sometimes because of that and i don't feel like this will necessarily improve that but i feel like if we got to the point where these companies started using some of the like discord features where you can just sort of chill out in a in a call like slack has mm -hmm. those things actually do have an effect like you, you feel like you're connecting with your team more on a daily basis you're talking to them more so like gradual things like that i prefer to you know Legless in some 3D avatar talking to me, sort of future 
landscape. So yeah, I, I, I feel like we've got a long way to go until this vision's fully, you know, actually here and fleshed out. Um, but it's, they're all trying to basically get you to the point where you could like, remember when you're sitting at a desk and you could just tap someone on the shoulder, like they're trying to basically trying to bring that back to life, right? The, these interactions and keep people focused and everyone doesn't really want to be jumping in and out of zoom calls with a webcam on every five seconds. You might get up late. You might not take a shower. You don't want your webcam on like all that sort of stuff. Like this is how you end up getting fired by a cartoon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is why my webcam's never on. I mean, the, the, <laughs> The big thing is we didn't know what smartphones would do, but we knew that there yeah. were one or two things that they were great at that we definitely yeah. could tell we wanted right away. And so the question for all of these companies is what is the one or two things that is going to be, that are going to be sticky. that are going to be your quote unquote killer apps that people are going to want to do. And then will you luck out when all of the emergent behaviors from the relentless iteration of technology arise? So like Apple had like, an incredibly good browser and an iPod and it got those things. And then everything else emerged out of that, you know, cameras, et cetera, et cetera. So all these companies want to like have that moment, that smartphone moment. That's fundamentally what this is. It's like, Oh, we, mm -hmm. we want another giant trillion dollar business like the iPhone was for Apple. Oh, and Zuckerberg was explicit about it. He's yeah. like, I can't live in a world where Apple and Google are in charge of me. Exactly. Yeah. And so like they, the, the thing that I think a bunch of these companies are missing is they're describing the vision of what it will be in five to 10 years, right? And in, in, in the way that you would have maybe wanted to describe the vision of what a smartphone will be in five to 10 years when it first happened, but they're not telling you what you could do with it tomorrow that's actually compelling enough to make you be like, yep, I need that yeah. thing tomorrow. And so that, that's the problem. Yeah, they're not telling you like the problem that it's fixing straight away, right? Like it's it's the, you know, in five years we might be doing this and that is definitely the problem. Like you need to have a solid foundation and something that clicks with people. You go, oh yeah, that's that's a great idea, you know? Like like the Slack stuff that they basically copy from Discord. Like that is a great idea. Like it genuinely does improve things on a day-to-day. -day. It's, it's such a small little thing, but it does actually make a, a big difference. And just having like... I don't think Microsoft has a solid sort of VR headset foundation for this work yet. Um, obviously, the HoloLens is you know an exception, but like that thing is like what is it three and a half thousand dollars or something? And do you want to sit there all day with that on? No, no. I mean, this is like the main thing that the solution to Zoom meeting fatigue is not putting a headset on your head. Yeah, it's fewer meetings. Yeah, like that's all that is. It's just like have fewer shorter meetings that are better, not make the meetings more like meetings in a corporate office building. Like that's what, that's what everybody's rebelling against right now is like, Oh, I didn't, we didn't need to go to the office and I don't want to go back and you can't make me. And it's like, okay, Microsoft is like, all right, you don't have to go to the office. What if you wore this headset all day? Like, like, <laughs> <laughs> I will say, uh, Alex, we, I think we recorded this last week before this news came out, but I know this will be of interest to you. I think the killer app for VR is fitness in, in particular, Supernatural, and Meta bought Supernatural last week. Yeah, right after Supernatural announced that you can do boxing in it, and it's really good, and I love it. And I converted to Addy. Oh, you did? Oh, yeah. My wife loves Supernatural boxing, and every time she is done with it, she comes down and announces to me that she is so good at boxing. <laughs> and I'm like, are you, do you want to fight me? Also, it's <laughs> dance boxing, but okay. It is very fun. But on the flip side of this, 
Zuckerberg is buying every popular VR app that he can get his hands on. Anything that blips above the mean on the Oculus store, Zuck will buy. And so, you know, I had Chris Milk, the CEO of Within, the company makes VR and Decoder. You know, I pushed him pretty hard. I was like, there's only one platform right now. Do you feel tied to this platform? And he was kind of hinting. You can go back and listen to it. Like, everyone knows Apple's going to make one of these headsets. Yeah. And it's like, we're going to be ready for that. And you could see that the plan was like, be an indie VR thing with two platforms. There's another big market that's going to open when Apple has a headset. And I am pretty confident Zuckerberg just wrote a big check. Like he was just like, what if I just stop that idea? I will say that um, I've been told that the meta deal of Supernatural was in the works way before the boxing announcement. I thought it was weird that they happened at the same time. Like it was a surprise. Like Zuck Zuck jumped out of a helicopter with bags of money and like, crap, we have to do this. No, it was in in the works for a long time. Um, And I think they timed it to this. But that's where I think meta versus Microsoft is interesting just in the context of this conversation. We don't know what the killer app is going to be. But anytime anything looks like it, Facebook Meta is will just buy it. Like they don't know what it's worth. They don't know. I guarantee you, they don't know how much money to spend. Like their answer is like oodles. If we'll pay <laughs> oodles of dollars for this app. But Facebook, well, Meta does know. Like they they will they will know because they own the platform, and we know that yeah. they they use that sort of telemetry to to acquire companies. That's that's, that's been their playbook. Um, so they will keep doing M and A and. I'm sure of that. Like, I think Microsoft will f- plug the gap where they can, which is always just the enterprise. And yeah. um, Facebook's <laughs> going to try and do that and fail, probably. So what's funny to me about all that M&A, like, yeah, they're doing it. They did Beat Saber and they bought it. What was the other big one they bought? They bought another really popular game, the um, Population One, which is like Fortnite and VR. Yep. Those things are like, if you believe that Halo is a metaverse, <laughs> those things are metaverses, right? You have a character, you can see other players, you're wearing clothes. Supernatural to me is hilarious because it is all about you. It has like, if you think about Facebook and the Facebook files and they're like, you know, they need Facebook needs the kids, right? <laughs> Chris Miller told me Supernatural's user base, 50, 50 men and women, 60% of users are over the age of 40. Hmm. So yeah. it's activating this entire user base. That is not what you would think of as like tech early adopters because it's fitness, but it's just you in there thinking about your body, like no NFT clothes, no avatars, no other people like you're just working out. And so it's like the opposite of the metaverse in like a very real way, mm-hmm. but it's the thing that is selling the most headsets. And I, the, there's some, some collision there is bound to happen. It's definitely interesting. Cause like, I feel like whenever I've used stuff like VR chat or space and got into any of this, it's, it's just always full of kids. Like I very rarely come across anyone my own age. So it's like, yeah, because they're in supernatural. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Boxing away. They're like, I gotta, I gotta fix this old body. <laughs> Young people are like, my body's great. What if I make a new digital one? Old people are like, hold on. There's a real time limit I'm working against here. <laughs> I'm trying to push that out as much as I could. There's a little bit of other Microsoft news. They made a notion competitor called loop. Which yes. I was, ta- who were, I was talking to one of our designers. Here's a little inside baseball. We're re- redesigning the whole website. It's going to come out next year. So I was talking to one of the designers and he was like, everything is Google wave. <laughs> like, <laughs> Actually, that was TechCrunch's headline is uh, Microsoft releases Google wave. Very good. Uh, that's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's pretty good. We use a product called slab with our product team. It's Google wave. This Microsoft thing is Google wave. Like if you don't, if you're new to us, Google wave predates the verge. 
it was this very, you should just go look at screenshots of Google wave. It is the most bonkers idea for software ever. They're like, what if we reconceptualize email and every email is a living document that you can embed QuickTime files in. Mm -hmm. There's like not a better way to explain that. That was honestly better than any, I used it for years and had no idea what it did. (laughs) I was just like, I'm here. I'm on the wave. So all these things like notion and slab and like even Google docs now to a certain extent, the whole concept is you have living documents that multiple people can work on and you can like, it's like basically imagine if email was collaborative is like the only way I can really think about it. It's interesting that Microsoft finally got there. It's funny because when they first announced this stuff, it was fluid framework and it was like, okay, yeah, this sounds kind of like notion, um, but they didn't have like a hub app for it and all that sort of stuff. And now yeah. it's like, oh yeah, no, this, this looks like notion now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it's, now it's called loop. So it's like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, and then Tom, can you give us the, the five minute version of this GitHub drama? Yeah, it's, it's not less less drama and just more. I don't know. I, it, so basically, Nat Freeman, who was there for uh, I think three years as the GitHub CEO, um, mm-hmm. he's stepping down later this month. He basically joined Microsoft when they acquired Xamarin, um, and then they obviously acquired um, GitHub uh, a few years ago. So he's stepping down. So the more interesting part is that um, the guy who's taken over, Thomas, he's he's reporting up to Julia Lucen, who has just been promoted to the president of Microsoft Developer Division. Which is an interesting promotion because she's basically at the center of a really controversial uh, decision, basically, on .NET that that happened about two weeks ago. Um, And it basically triggered a bunch of open source community backlash. And then Microsoft was like basically a force to do a U-turn on this decision um, after like 24 hours. So it's kind of interesting that she's getting even more like control of like Microsoft developer sort of focused products, especially like GitHub is like a massive platform for Microsoft and it's grown quite a lot since they've acquired it. Um, and there's, there's a bunch of sort of questions going around about like their whole .NET and the foundation that's supposed to oversee that work and how committed Microsoft is to open source and actually keeping it open source because the decision that was made was basically to restrict a feature from being open source essentially and, and being a paid part of Visual Studio which like obviously didn't go down well with people because people have been testing it and it was in something called a release candidate, which is like essentially we're finished, this product's done, it's in bugs, you know, test the bugs and we're shipping it. And then they were like at the last second, we're not shipping this really key feature that you want, uh, which is hot reload, which I don't want to go too deep into it, but it basically when you're coding, it allows you to make changes and it's sort of like live. So it's, it's like a really big feature for developers. Like it is, it's a huge feature that Microsoft's been really slow to to, ado- uh, to adopt. So a lot of controversy around it. We'll see what happens. But like, I think fundamentally, Microsoft has obviously been pretty good with the open source community. But at the end of the day, they're, they're there to also make money. You know, it's a revenue driven company. So everyone has to remember that. So as much as they want to be seen as stewards of open source and participating in it, it's decisions that that like that they did a few weeks ago that I think we're going to see more of, you know, like it's, it's, this isn't going to be a one-off. So wait and see, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. I only brought it up because, you know, we had Nadal on Decoder and he was mm-hmm. championing how Microsoft is open and they're the open platform and the other platforms. And, and then like the next day, Windows did a bunch of weird stuff with Edge. And yeah. a couple months later, this happened with the open source community. And like, that is a real dynamic between how Microsoft wants to perceive itself 
Mm-hmm. And then the things that make sense for its business or are aggressive moves for its business. Yeah. And the problem with this very particular one is that it, it makes a, a tool, Visual Studio Code, which is actually free. It makes that like more powerful or, or like on a level with Visual Studio in a sense, which is obviously mainly a paid commercial product. Um, so they, it, basically if they keep giving away stuff for free and improving it and open source, then like where, you know, where are they making their money there? So it's, it's it's very complicated, very complex thing, but I feel like this is this is one of the, s- the straws that broke the like camel's back between like the .NET community and the open source um, community, and I feel like this is going to be an ongoing thing. Like we de- we'll definitely see a lot more of this with with Microsoft's open source efforts for sure. I mean, it's like fundamentally opposed philosophies on everything. Yeah. Like they can't coexist. For no. It's it's impressive they've coexisted as long as they have. I would give them that. They Microsoft pivoted to supporting a lot of the stuff. They have coexisted, but like it's not tenable. Yeah. Well, I mean it 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 could be tenable if Microsoft can figure out different business models, but I mean, the reason it's worked for Google is because Google has a a, a literal firehose of ad money that they're very good at making bigger and like, we're not going to get into it, but there's a whole bunch of Google ad stuff that happened and there was like the Chrome stuff, but like Google can like afford to seem like really good open source stewards in a lot of ways, because like they just have a giant funnel of money that is tangentially related to all of it. And Microsoft doesn't have quite that big a funnel. They need to make money in other ways. And at some point it feels like that could get in conflict unless they can like start changing some business models. It's definitely the business models is definitely the key thing, but like Google does questionable stuff as well, doesn't of it? Of course, when it's, yes. When it's when it's pretending to be open, so we have to like, take a break. We cannot get into Google's questionable stuff. <laughs> I promise. Dieter and I are very focused on some of that story. Uh, we'll we'll come back around to it when we actually publish the story. But uh, yeah, I, the reason I brought it up is we're seeing all this metaverse stuff. We're seeing all these companies talk about interoperability. We're seeing the gap between how Microsoft wants to be perceived in some of their actions. It's only going to get weirder as like the quote unquote metaverse. Like the idea is that you will move freely between all these digital spaces and your stuff will come with you, which is very complicated. So it's interesting that like, yeah, high, highfalutin metaverse stuff on the ground. It's like we made a feature to visual studio and net, and everyone got mad and we had to change our minds. Like this, yeah. this the things are still happening. <laughs> I think it's 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 just so funny because it's like they they because it's such an open way they wouldn't have if they made that decision before they open source.net and I wouldn't have even noticed like, <laughs> would, you know it's just it's going to be it's going to be an interesting few years ahead. Yeah. All right Tom, thank you so much. We got to take a break. We'll be back with Chris Welch. We'll be right back. All right. Support for this podcast comes from Canva. They say Rome wasn't built in a day, but you know what you can get built in a day? Your creative deck. You can generate creative decks to use for all your important presentations with Canva. Thanks to their AI, you can start with a simple prompt and watch Canva go to work. You want a sales presentation for a tech company? Done. Create an employee onboarding plan? No problem. Just type it in and watch Canva work its magic. You'll have generated options in seconds. Choose your favorite style, customize the content, and you're done. It's a serious time saver at work. So whatever you do at your job, Canva presentations can give you a head start on your deck. 
You can generate sales presentations, marketing decks, HR onboarding plans, you name it. It's AI for every department. It's easy to learn. It's even easier to use. And because it's built in Canva presentations, you can stay focused on the task at hand with no app switching. Finish your deck faster. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Design for work. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You've heard it before. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. But it's more than just a tagline. Because State Farm agents are small business owners themselves who live and work in your community. And if you're in the market for small business insurance, who better to work with than an agent who understands what it takes? State Farm agents can help you create a personalized insurance plan that fits your small business needs and budget. Talk to your local State Farm agent today about small business insurance. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. We're back. Chris Welch is with us. Hey, Chris. Hey, everybody. Good to be back. All right. There's like headphone news. Do you, you want to walk us through this? I mean, Chris reviewed a bunch of stuff. I mean, it's, it's all Chris's bag. He uh, he reviewed the Beats Fit Pro, which I find very fascinating. Uh, we also reviewed the the new AirPods, which we talked a little bit about last week. And concurrent with all that, updated our uh, wireless earbuds guide. But let's start with the Beats Fit Pro, because they were announced and reviewed. And uh, mm-hmm. I... I find these things incredibly fascinating and I find myself incredibly unhappy that I bought a pair of AirPods Pro a couple of weeks ago. So what's the deal with these Beats Fit Pro? They're so good that I don't know why people would buy the AirPods Pro anymore, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Same, Dieter. What's the basic idea behind them? So they're 200 bucks. Uh, They got a sporty design with these fins Mm -hmm. that kind of sit in your ears to keep them in place. And like a lot of these have been kind of like uncomfortable uh, before and like they get annoying, but these ones actually... You can feel them there, but they don't press into your ear in any way, so mm-hmm. they can kind of just sit there for hours and uh, they're still comfortable. Uh, they've got uh, the same noise cancellation as the AirPods Pro, so it's uh, that's just as good. The uh, transparency mode is just as good as the AirPods Pro. Maybe like a hair, not quite as good, but it's still better than most earbuds mm-hmm. you, you'll find. Uh, the sound quality is a lot more punchy and better. Uh, they don't have wireless charging, so that's one advantage of the Pros. And the case is a bit, bit large still. A bit chunky, but it's also uh, the earbuds sit like in that case more certain. Whereas you have those times where you like go to use your AirPods and like one of them is dead because they didn't charge perfectly. Right. Uh, So, uh, so you don't have to worry about that. Uh, But yeah, like as a whole, like there've been like all these questions about Beats and like does Apple really care about Beats anymore? Why do they buy Beats? And uh, now they've uh, just kind of come roaring back with uh, the Fits for Fits Pro. Which so here's my question: If (laughs) this this metaphor is going to make everybody very mad. But if AirPods Pro are like Camaros, are these like Firebirds? Are they basically just like like another like a rebadging, oh rebranding of the same thing with a slightly <laughs> different feature set? I guess so. I mean, if you read some of the reviews, it seems like a lot of people are saying like these are the sporty AirPod Pros that I always wanted. Yeah. So it seems like Apple's not going to make these themselves, but they're happy to let Beats kind of fill that zone. But do you think they're and, like uh, fundamentally like the same internals, or just like in a different body with a different set of things, or are they like completely different headphones that just happen to like? share the, you know, W1 chip and some other tech. H1 now. H1, excuse me. Yeah, they share the H1 chip, but the drivers are custom. Uh, so those are different from the AirPod Pros. They sound a bit better, like I said, fuller, mm-hmm. uh, more bass. But otherwise, like they uh, do share a lot of features. They have all the usual like Apple tricks, like uh, automatic pairing and all that stuff. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, as a whole, like if you want Apple earbuds, like if you read a lot of the uh, headlines on these, like people are saying these are the best once they make period, it's like the AirPods right. Pro. Wow. Why is the case so big? Here's the th- like the thing about AirPods that like is their best feature is that the case is small. Yeah. Right. Like they're great, but like 
you know, these have all the same features. So like you've got the actual buds in your ears, these might win. Yeah. I'd be like, yeah, but the, the case is still gigantic compared to AirPods. Well, he's yeah, got the form factor is part of it. Yeah. Because the hooks, the uh, fins are there, so you've got to have room for those. Like the yeah, Powerbeats Pro case was like enormous because they had those hooks on there. <laughs> oh, they were so, so big. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> but like, what else could they really do? Because like the earbuds needed that space. Yeah. Uh, so these ones are kind of the same story. Uh, you've got to have room for the fins in there. Uh, but otherwise, you know, it's still like, you know, fit in the pockets. Not the small pocket of your jeans, but yeah. uh, the larger one, it fits fine. I have to say this purple is very striking that you have photos of. Yeah. Yes, yes. Please go see our photos in the review. They're very pretty. The photos are fantastic. What's like, if you had to compare the fit to any earbuds out there right now are they like do they fit like the airpods like for those of us with tiny tiny ear canals that it's surprising we can hear things i'm one of those people yeah so my friend has really tiny ears in those photos actually and uh, they fit her pretty comfortably uh, she was kind of surprised honestly oh that's fantastic. Uh, but yeah they feel kind of like the pros i mean you can feel the uh, the wingtips like i said they're kind of there uh, but otherwise they're super lightweight super comfortable and uh, they're pretty like discreet in your ears you can't really see them sticking out that far so they've got that going for them, too. Yeah, and they don't have the stupid stems that hit my bike helmet strap. It's very annoying. Uh, you mentioned that they aren't quite as good at supporting Android as Beats used to be. What's the story there? Uh, so the Studio Buds that came out a few months ago that some people on our staff actually loved quite a bit, uh, those actually didn't have the W1 chip or the H1 chip in there. Mm-hmm. So, like they, uh, so they supported like uh, features like fast pair on Android and things that these don't. Uh, so like these are back to being like an Apple tech inside. Right. Uh, but the Studio Buds were fine. They were comfortable. Their sound was okay. Uh, the noise cancellation was pretty mediocre, I think. So they've done a lot better there with these. And the other 200 bucks, which is a pretty good deal when you put them next to the AirPods Pro that cost more money. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, that the, the, the loop of wire that enables wireless charging, we know that that costs $400 to make. So whatever. <laughs> it is ridiculous that there's not wireless charging on these. So here's what I'll say. You, also, you reviewed the, the new third gen AirPods, mm-hmm. which are very close to the AirPods Pro now in terms of design minus right. the in-ear and minus noise cancellation. So now you've got sure. the third gen AirPods at 180. You've got the Beats Fit Pro. You've got those at $200. And then you've got AirPods Pro at what, 249 but they're always on sale for 229 Right. So yeah. like literally in $20 increments, you have all of Apple's headphones. <laughs> How yeah. on earth yeah. do you make that decision? Oh, uh, there are people who like love the open style of the AirPods. I'm not one of those people. Like they let mm-hmm. in way too much outside noise for me. I mean, I live in New York City, you know, like I hear plenty of noise as it is. <laughs> so I don't want to have that always like just engulfing my ears. Uh, but there are people who swear by it. I just like they're aware when they're like, running outside or like on a bike ride or things like that. They just want that awareness of what's going on. Uh, so I think that's an easy decision for those people. Having just been back in New York, the number of people I saw who were just wearing AirPods, I could tell they weren't listening to a goddamn thing. They were just like wearing them mm-hmm. <laughs> or just like wearing one. <laughs> I can't, all right, if yeah. that's like your vibe, right? You're just gonna leave these things in your ears all the time. You can't see everything out. Okay, buy it. But it's still just like crazy to me. Right, right. So the open style is like an easy thing uh, for those that uh, set those apart. But as far as like the AirPods Pro and the Beats go, it's kind of hard to pick between them, honestly. It depends if you want like the sporty vibe. Uh, these are great for fitness. They stay in your ears through runs and uh, the gym and things like that. Uh, they're IPX4 uh, water resistant. Uh, same for the AirPod Pros, actually. So there's no difference there. Uh, but the sound's better on these. Uh, battery lasts a bit longer. So there are like several reasons to to consider these over the AirPods Pro. How's the how are the Zoom calls on it versus <laughs> not quite as good as the Pros because there is no stem. Okay. Right. Uh, which which ones are better for for the metaverse? Oh my god. <laughs> good lord. Uh, Sounds like the AirPod Pros. Yeah, the Pros. So I guess if you're on Zoom all day, that's another reason to go for the Pros and uh, the third gens as well. So the voice calls on here are good, but they're not gonna. Uh, be quite up to that level. Do they support the 
you and I think share the same opinion of spatial audio, which is like, yeah, why? <laughs> it's just like a question mark. Do the, are these these are doing spatial audio? Is it the same basic confusing experience? Uh, yeah, it's the same head tracking as the AirPods Pro too. So they have that. You know, I see more and more p- people saying that like, oh, I love spatial audio, and so I think those people are all plants. I'm sorry, that is just a coordinated <laughs> astroturf campaign. Who are they? People in our YouTube comments. Yeah, no, those are that's that's pure. That's just like the head of Universal <laughs> Music is like telling his interns like, get on Chris's reviews on YouTube. <laughs> Say you like it. <laughs> yeah, show, show yourself spatial mm-hmm. audio. <laughs> Yeah, spatial audio. Like I say in the, the review, it's good for video. Uh, so so for music. I think like more and more artists are starting to use it a bit better. But on the whole, it's still super hit or miss as far as what's going to be good or way worse than the stereo version is. For if you're doing a lot of movie watching in headphones, yep, you want some headphones that support this stuff. Apple's far in the mm-hmm. lead. If you're not, I would just like cross it off your list of things to consider. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. it is just not there yet. So we're mm-hmm. you know we're cruising on the, into the holidays. It seems like we know all the headphones that are out. Where, do, where are your picks right now for for iOS and Android? Uh, so the best overall are still the Sony's, uh, the uh, 1000XM4s. Chris, I, I I trust you. I believe you. I know that <laughs> you're right that they sound the best and they have the best set of features. But the fact that moving them from one device to another requires 20 minutes of repairing <laughs> just kills me. That has not been my experience, but okay. to each their own. <laughs> so yeah, those are at the top of the heap still, uh, just because they're sound quality. And uh, they got the awesome ANC. And then we have Bose is also like another good option for uh, noise cancellation. And if you want to spend less, uh, the best earbuds under $100 are the new Jabra's, the Elite 3. Uh, those are 80 bucks. Yeah, those seem great. Yeah, those are terrific. Uh, they lack pretty much all the frills you'd expect from other uh, <laughs> but it's like wireless charging and there's no auto pause when you take one out so they cut like a lot of corners but no spatial audio no spatial audio tragic uh, of course and then uh, for the sports and gym stuff the Beats Fit Pro have now finally beaten the Power Beats Pro that were our pick for a long long time and uh, yeah I mean well, there's still a place for the AirPods Pro if you love Apple stuff uh, Samsung's Galaxy Buds 2 are like a nice overall pick on Android <laughs> So are they? Dieter is just shaking his head. I was like, I was watching Dieter shake his head. It's the the nightmare here is is like what what's the best one to get for the holidays? And it's like, well, it, it like depends a thousand percent on like fifteen different factors. What and, phone yeah. does the person you're buying for have? Exactly. <laughs> um, and part of me feels, especially with Apple stuff, that they they actually don't. They're not worried about cross shopping anymore. They're just yeah. like, you know what? We're just going to flood the zone and people are going to roll in. They're going to have an amount of money they want to spend, and we're going to make sure that we've got something at that price point. God, it's a good thing there isn't an open hardware interconnect that enabled competition between platforms anymore on these phones. Yeah. Just a thing I think about all the time. Mm -hmm. It's a good thing our (laughs) headphone ecosystem has now been restricted by arbitrary software features. Okay. Well, I'm glad our headphones are locked in. Can I just, I'm just going to do one more dunk on spatial audio. The head turning thing, Mm -hmm. right? So my initial was like, spatial audio is like answering the question no one asked of what if Jimmy Page was sneaking up behind you? (laughs) (laughs) Right? The head tracking thing is like, Asking a question no one answered of, what if you were at a concert with Taylor Swift and you turned around? And it's like, <laughs> no, I don't know. It's the metaverse. That's, that's an awful lot of technology to answer that question. It's just so confusing. Anyhow. This doesn't always have to be a concert in my ear. What if it's yeah. all prep for, for their AR headset? So you have that really good audio when you turn around. Yeah, but why, why are be. we forcing these poor artists to like <laughs> creep around? So when I put on my little glasses, <laughs> I'll be able to watch them physically creep around and it'll all be worth it. That's all right. 
I'm pretty sure that wave of artists talking NFTs is coming for a decoder and I'm very excited no. about it. And I'm going to ask every single one of them that spatial audio, just you wait and be like, did you have any part of this? Or is this all just like <laughs> a weird music industry accounting scheme? Because that's what I believe it is. Have you even heard your spatial audio mix at all? Probably not. <sighs> all right, Chris, thank you so much. We'll be right back. Thank you. Support for this podcast comes from Constant Contact. If you're a business owner, you already know that it's really, really hard to cut through the noise of everyday life. If you want to connect with your customers, you need to break through the noise. You need Constant Contact. Constant Contact is a marketing platform that makes it easy to reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and connect over email, text, social media, and more. Whether you're a marketing guru or just learning the ropes, Constant Contact offers writing assistance tools and automation features that make it simple to say the right thing at the right time. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. We're back. This is kind of like just a grab bag of weird stuff, but I'm excited for it. Yeah. It's a bunch of weird We're stuff. We're all cyber criminals, I think, right? We're all cyber, cyber criminals. Excited to talk about it. There is a conference called Web Summit. Um, I, uh, I believe, Alex, you've been to this. I have, I, I have not in quite a while. Um, and uh, they had a surprise guest. Apple Senior Vice President Craig Federighi rolled up to talk to the folks at Web Summit. Oh, what's, what's Craig want to talk about? Turns out Craig is real mad about the European Commission's proposed Digital Markets Act, which would require Apple to let users sideload. So he got up in front of this crowd after like a, a, a very, very excited host was like, yo, we got Craig. Hold your iPhones up. Turn your flashlights on. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> Pull it out. Yeah, that's right. Let's light it up. And he said, as our next guest loves to say, let's dim the lights. Let's set the mood. <laughs> Craig Federighi, come on out. This is what Web Summit is like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this is, is the it. most amped European tech people yeah. you can think of. And Craig rolls out on stage and is like, hey, everybody, sideloading is evil. <laughs> <laughs> One security firm found more than 5 million attacks per month on its clients using another mobile platform. But there's never been this kind of widespread consumer malware attack on iOS. So what's the difference? Well, the single biggest reason is that other platforms allow sideloading. He gave a whole presentation speech running through all of Apple's arguments about how it is very, very dangerous and bad in the end of the world if uh, sideloading happens on the iPhone, that everything needs to go through the App Store. Crucial to do that at a conference full of, like, young developers yeah. learning to develop. That's the place to do yeah. it. Sideloading is a cyber criminal's best friend. And requiring that on iPhone would be a gold rush for the malware industry. Now, I would just remind you that Google, by default, does not allow sideloading. <laughs> like, <laughs> and they don't want you to do it. Right. Yeah. Like you, you hit that switch. Google's like, are you sure you'll die? Yeah. And then you like try to do it and they're like, ah, you sure that, yep, we got a knife to your throat and you're, we're going to stab you. And then like, they don't want you to do it. So it's like, it, it's a weird comparison from the jump because yeah. it's not like it's happening a lot on Google. And in fact, 
uh, when Epic tried to get people to sideload Fortnite, it failed and they had to go crawling back to the Google store. So just putting that out there. Second, Apple makes the Macintosh. <laughs> like, you remember those? Yeah. And like, are they saying that everybody who just like installs software on the Mac is just a honeypot for cyber criminals? Because that's weird. That's a weird position for them to be in. I don't know. Like, it's like it's the, he was at the he was at the epic trial. He was asked this question by the judge. The judge didn't buy it. In the opinion, she kind of didn't buy it. Mm-hmm. He was like he Craig had to walk that fine line of like saying the Mac was less safe than the iPhone, but the iPhone is in your pocket all the time. But we should do better on the Mac. But we're not going to lock down the Mac. It's Apple's just in a weird place. Siloing undermines security and put people's data at risk. That's that's his position now. Yeah. Well, no, it's always been their position. Um, and it, like lots of supporting arguments too. Uh, if sideloading is allowed, then a certain social network might require you to sideload if you want to talk to your friends. Uh, that's dangerous, which is, whew, it's a lot. Um, maybe it's true. I don't know. Um, uh, you know, you might be smart enough not to sideload, but that doesn't mean grandma isn't. And that's the end of the world. Um, you know, a bunch of stuff like that. Grandma's not sideloading. That's a lot of steps. So I made a bad tweet about this. I was like, look, there's there's other, like, it's possible to protect your phone, you know, without the app store, that they could, like, scan apps in the way that Google does. And, like, lots of people are real mad at it. Like, and then, like, it's a bad tweet. There are ways to scan for malware with that, you know, without the app store. The, the real point I'm trying to make here is it's a false choice. It's not all computer security has to happen for the app store or Armageddon. Right. There's that that that's not the only way to set up a model to protect a computer and to say that the app store is like the best way um, and the only way is, well, I would say it's disingenuous. It's like they spent over 20 years talking about how good Mac security was to the point that you didn't need like antivirus stuff. Right. Like they, they, they spent years doing that. And now they're like. But you do if it's a phone. If you hold it in your hand and not on your lap, like that seems to be the distinction. And I just want to say, like, there's one argument to be made. Yeah. Which is you carry your phone around on you all the time. It's the camera you take to the bathroom with you. Yep. Like, I think we'd all have a different relationship with our phones if we just started referring to them as the cameras that go to the bathroom with you. (laughs) I'm never, never bringing it with me again. It's just a weird thing that you do with a camera. You're like, (laughs) I'm going to this bathroom bring in four cameras with me. Right. Okay. So fine. Like, yep. There's a higher threshold and you know, the the United States government just blacklisted the NSO group, which is the most famous purveyor of zero day hacks against the iPhone. Like there's a lot of reasons you want to be more protective of a phone, but then there's a lot of reasons. The phone is also most people's primary computer, only computer. And in many, many cases, there's a lot of reasons that you want to give people an out from corporate control. So I will say another person who spoke at web summit, uh, was Spotify's chief legal officer, Horacio Gutierrez, who has been on Decoder. And he gave a speech about protecting the digital economy from gatekeeper platforms. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think the, the the green room was like, those two hanging out? Oh, yeah. He, like Craig Frederick, he's just like running up to the Spotify guy being like, you're creating a, a wonderland for cyber criminals. And the Spotify guy's like, we're just trying to stream music. And he's like, have you tried our spatial audio? That's my impression. Of you. I, 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 he's like, maybe, I'm over here. Have you tried it? No, no, I'm just kidding. I'm over here. I can't hear it. you. Where? 
I don't think they saw each other. But Horacio's got a a long tweet thread. I'll just read the highlight. The apocalyptic wasteland that Apple says would ensue if they're forced to comply with competition laws is a fiction. There's nothing in the Digital Markets Act or any other proposal that would prevent Apple from setting privacy and security standards for the platform. So that's just like, that's the other side of the argument. The one thing I'll point out, and we should move on, is Apple doesn't, like Facebook's in a lobbying place right now, right? There's all the regulators and there's Mark on Capitol Hill and just a lot. Nick Clegg works at Facebook. Just a lot of lobbying and politicking and whatever from Facebook there. And that's why they're rebranding and trying to do all this other stuff. Like they live in a world of regulatory pain. We do not perceive Apple as being a political operator in that way. But the amount of lobbying coming out of Apple right now is at an all time high. Yeah. It's speeches like this. It is lobbyists on the ground in various states pushing back against competition laws. It is my personal vindication about buttons and links. They filed for a stay <laughs> on that order, and they said these buttons and links are a real problem for us. Told you so. All over the world, in all kinds of ways. They're, whatever you think of the Build Back Better bill, whatever that looks like now, whatever chaos you think that is, they're against it. Right? They're pumping millions of dollars into uh, I think the business roundtable, that's their lobbying organizations actively lobbying against that bill. Hmm. Like Apple's fully in the political game in a way that we do not perceive them as being in the same way that Facebook is. Facebook is just more public because it's it's Facebook. Because there was a whistleblower talking about the files. Yeah, exactly. So it's just like I would just remind everyone that you think Apple's like above it all, but they are. That's this speech. They're in the mix. They're lobbying against these proposals. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. Should we go to Facebook or do you want to talk about this 5G situation? Uh, we should talk about the 5G. I mean, the, okay, well, I've already disclosed, but the the, the two Facebook things are um, Facebook jettisoned some of its like facial recognition data, but I think it's still hanging out to the models. So, you know, it's not, not they, don't, they don't get quite as much credit as maybe they, they, they've gotten in the initial wave, but they get some. And then speaking of uh, lobbying and policy, Facebook is pulling a little bit of an epic, just a little bit. They are letting creators put links into some Facebook stuff to get paid directly by users to get around Apple's tax. And so it's sort of a, well, you'll, you'll, you'll ban us if we have a if we try and get around the 30% tax, but are you going to ban the individual creators to whom we are giving the tool to make a button to get around your 30% tax, which is a very interesting stratagem. Yeah. And they, Mark Zuckerberg announced this in a Facebook post where he was like, Apple sucks, but we don't <laughs> <laughs> like straight up. Like the first sentence is like, Apple's tax is a problem, but yeah. we're getting around it with this thing, which is interesting. I think it's the face rec- shutting on face recognition is really interesting in the context of the metaverse because one of the things metaverse adjacent technology is AR glasses that show you people's names. You talk yep. about killer apps. That's the killer app. Yeah. Facebook had all that data and they're throwing it away. So we'll see what happens. But why, why are they throwing it away? Is it just because everybody's said, oh, that's terrible and horrifying? Yeah. I mean, yeah, they, they say they don't want it, which like I wish more companies said that. But I mean, again, they're, they are hanging on to, I believe they're hanging on to some of the models that they used some of the stuff to build. So like a very, very cynical take would be like, yeah, they, 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 they can't make the model better with what they've got. So they might as well dump it and get the PR win from it. Yep. And then we got this quote, looking ahead, we still see facial recognition to- technology as a powerful tool, but the many specific instances where facial recognition can be helpful need to be weighed against the growing concerns about the use of technology as a whole. So if you've done all the modeling you can do with the data you have, you can just 
exit quietly from one gigantic regulatory fight about facial recognition and just like focus on your other gigantic regulatory fights. Like, sure, I'll take it. Yeah. Um, also, it's still they still own Facebook. Yeah. Do you know where all the pictures of people's faces are? They can still just like, go do it again. They're like they're just like they just like hit start on the program. Yeah, I don't know how that works. They, they just they, they they reboot and they forgot that it was in like the startup files. So if they reboot a server, also they're just doing it again. They do a configuration change. Yeah. Oh. All right. Wait. One more. One more configuration change. Yeah. Instagram will now, if you tweet an Instagram thing, show a little preview card inside Twitter. Yay! That nine-year fight is over the dumbest stupidest fight yeah <sighs> gotta protect the yeah. images um so they initially fought because instagram didn't want twitter building off of its user graph yep which is in, like fascinating casey newton by the way by the time you're listening to this his story on how this deal to put the previews back will be up on the website happened over some wine and sausages at the back of a twitter ad exec's house that's a real <laughs> boy um yeah, it's very good. But that story will be up by the time. I just love a little deal TikTok. Like, they were just hanging out. And they're like, man, we should fix this decade-old problem that everyone hates. And they fixed <laughs> it. Um, but I think it's also just very telling. They don't think those user graphs are growing against each other anymore. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. at the heart of it. It's not a completely different story from the facial recognition story. Yeah. They're just like, we're out of Twitter people. Also, we only care about teens now. This one is very interesting to me. Verizon, AT&T... They both bought a bunch of mid-band spectrum. The phones now support it, and they are delaying rolling out that network because of aircraft interference concerns, which seems like one of those cliffs you should have seen coming. Yeah. In fact, I, I believe they, they – I think it's more like it was a game of chicken, and yeah. and they blinked. Like the F, like at the end of the day, like the FCC had a trump card – or not the FCC. The um, FAA had a trump card, and they, they played it, and so everybody else had to blink. So this is the second kind of like 5G radio frequency controversy that has erupted. The first one was uh, scientists, weather scientists were like, you're going to interfere with our weather collection systems. And I think the industry just sort of ran over them. Like, yeah. They saw, they saw Elon Musk do it with uh, space internet. And like, well, let's just see if we should do the same thing. Yeah. So we have a story about that. It's from Justine. It's from November 2019. But that that was a real thing. And like people cared about it a lot. Wireless industry just sort of like ran over meteorologists. <laughs> so it goes. <laughs> FAA and the nation's airlines, a little bit harder to run over. And I think because they're is, above you. They, yeah. They're literally you can't run over them because they're you know, flying. spatial audio, they fly right over <laughs> your head. So the aviation industry has been talking about this for a while. They brought it up in August. Uh, major disruptions to the use of the national air, airspace system can be expected with the rollout of C-band 5G. FAA released the thing. AT&T said this week it's working to better understand their concerns. Yeah. And it's like the concern is you're going to interfere with their equipment. And they're only they're only delaying it by a month, which is interesting because like we didn't know when they were rolling it out in the first place. So it's sort of funny. Like, yeah, we're going to delay it a month. But by the way, we were planning on launching it. It's like, oh, OK, great. However, there are other countries where the stuff is rolled out. We'll just see what happens. It's very funny yeah. that... AT&T and Verizon after all of this hype. By the way, their argument is if you don't let us do this, we'll lose the race to 5G. Yeah. And it's like, we, we guys, did. We lost it. <laughs> super lost. <laughs> also, no one is leaving America because there's better 5G everywhere else. Just a reminder. There's never been a race. There's, there's at least one Verge reader who will leave America because the 5G is better. And that boy was me. It was you. I have to, to say. <laughs> uh, all right. Here's a little lightning round. Uh, the Zillow story is nuts. So Zillow 
So, oh, which by the way, had a great business model, right? Which is like access the public real estate database, show yep. you the listings, and then take cuts on both sides of the. They're like, what if we buy the houses and then use yeah. AI to price them? <laughs> it's just a cautionary tale. They bought too many houses. The AI didn't work. They need to sell 7,000 houses that they bought at yep. too high prices. They're they are laying off 25% of their staff, which is 2,000 people. Oh, my God. Don't don't Horrifying. build AI business. Like, it's a boom market for real estate. They're like every my entire TikTok feed, like every fourth video is like a guy being like, here's how I make a million dollars a day flipping houses. Yeah. There's an entire uh, television channel. It's just like people flipping houses. And Zola's like, the robot's going to do it. Yeah. And it didn't work for them. Who, who's going to buy all the houses? Also, fundamentally, like if people think that your app is there to help them buy a house and you're actively making it worse by like buying houses and flipping them, maybe, maybe, maybe you're, you're bad. <laughs> <laughs> It's just a weird, like the story of the digital economy is not having any inventory, right? Like Uber's a taxi company without taxi companies. This is Airbnb is a hotel company without hotels. Mm-hmm. It's like an old meme. Godzilla's like, what if we're a real estate company that owns houses? It's like, you missed, did you not see the tweet? That's the whole, okay. Uh, Ford, the car news. Dude, are you into this Volkswagen ID5? Uh, I am. It's not that much smaller than the ID4, but it's like a sportier slightly, you know, cooler looking version of the ID4. Um, I'm just incredibly angry because the, they're not, they're, they're only releasing it in Europe. They're not going to release it in the US. Same thing with the ID3, by the way, their, you know, replacement for the Golf. I would just like to buy a, a small car that I, where I can, you know, see over the hood and, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, fit it into my garage. Th- those are, those are things that I would like, like to have. And, and in America, I can't because we're 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 racing to five G instead. I guess I don't know. <laughs> all all cars in America look like angry robots. Yeah, that's, that's your only choice. There um, is a uh, there is a pilot program, I believe, in the Netherlands right now for Tesla to start sharing its supercharger network, and it works there because there's like regulations that make sure that the charging plugs work <laughs> and are compatible. But maybe someday we could have uh, decent charging networks for cars that don't have Tesla badges on them in the U.S. That's another thing that I would like. Anyway, I have emotions about electric cars, uh, not the least of which is this uh, this new Ford crate thing, which seems amazing. This is you know, we've done a lot of um, stories about old cars, like classic cars, but who can turn into electric cars. It's a there's a big scene. Um, we did one on like a ultra fast Mustang like years ago. I think it's very cool. Like Ford is the Ford has always sold crate motors, and now they're just going to sell you the the Mustang Mach E's drivetrain, and you can just like put in anything. And they announced it with a classic truck restoration. It's neat. Like that's cool. If you're going to actually get to full electric cars, you need to let people tinker and like build weird stuff. And I think Ford Ford has a long history with that. So I think it's very cool. That said, I would not. I'd be like, this truck probably doesn't like have a great crash rating. <laughs> so I, there's there's limits to it, but I I think they recognize that you have to get the hobbyists and the car enthusiasts on board, and they've been they've been doing it in weird ways, which is fun. There's a lot of Tesla drivetrain swaps that happen. So it's it's cool at Ford's in that case. Like that was the kind of the primary one until now, right? Yeah, I mean it's it's the one you could get. Yeah, that was that was it. Nobody's doing a Volt. <laughs> it's like. I made a slow car. <laughs> Put a Chevy Volt in my, my Shelby. <laughs> Looks great. Yeah. We'll see. It's not particularly fast. Uh, the Mach-E GT is out. And 
and that is like a rocket, but this one is a, it's a little depowered, but I'm sure the whole point is you got to give the stuff to people and let them build a community around it. Okay. I really want to talk about this oven. So GE has a line of smart ovens and it has a new thing that will, uh, it'll handle cooking the turkey for you and like make you worry less about the million variables that go into cooking a turkey. I only put it on the rundown because I was like, oh, okay, yeah, sure, whatever, smart oven. But no, people are really excited and into it. It's a software update is the is honestly the neat part for me. I, I think that like smart ovens are, are going to be cool in next year. I think that the, like they added like an air frying feature via a software update to some of their smart ovens. Like it's time. It's time for ovens to get even smarter and cooler. We need to move beyond pod-based food technology into ovens creating insane new ways. I want my oven to turn into an instant pot via a software update. I'm just going to say it. Just the whole thing. Just seal it up. Pressure cook it. I'm sending this whole audio clip to my landlord so I can move away from the gas. I am extraordinarily skeptical of this entire oven situation. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, just going like, to be honest with you. Like, I don't know, man. Like the whole, there's like a, a lot of smart grills, right? Yeah. Where you like put the probe in that every Traeger can do this, right? Yeah. Just monitors the temperature of your feed and you like walk away. This is doing that for a turkey. So it's like, first of all, the model is proven out by all the outdoor cooking companies. Yep. But the whole reason that cooking turkey is hard is because the white meat and the dark meat cook at different rates. Well, you spatchcock it. You'll be fine. It's just like this quote that's like, you don't need to do any other work. You just like throw a raw turkey in the oven and let this commute. It's like, no, you probably still need to do this. <laughs> <laughs> you, should, you should try the skin like, out. You should have brine. You should do the stuff. Like you don't even need to unwrap it. The robot arms that appear via software upgrade. I will say this. When it's done, the oven timer app says gobble, gobble. Which is perfect. It's great. Somewhere at GE, there's someone who had to go source the gobble, gobble audio file <laughs> and then like package it into the software update. If you are that person or you know that person, I will give you a full hour on this show to talk about how you selected the gobble, gobble sound and the meetings you had to go to. Like, did you present it to the board? How many gobble, gobbles mm. were there? Yeah, was there was there like a fun one that you really liked, but it was deemed too edgy? Like, I just want to know. Find me. <laughs> All right, that's it. It was a weird week. Like a lot of things happened, mm -hmm. but it's like we're entering the kind of pre-holiday lull after all of October. Yeah, but we'll be back next week. We're we're gonna be here. We're here for you. We got another ten years to go. It's a long. It's a big promise, but we're gonna do it. Another ten, starting now. On Decoder this week, we had a very special guest, D Dieter Bone. Hey, I know that guy. Uh, we talk about Springboard, your documentary. On Monday uh, on Decoder, Alex Heath talked to Meta's CTO, uh, Andrew Bosworth, about the name change to Meta and the Metaverse. Go listen to that. Alex did a great job. There's a Tuesday episode of The Vergecast coming uh, next week, which you're going to want to listen to because Andrew Marino uh, has gotten together with Liam and I to um, make a, a special episode about everybody's favorite port. Oh, boy. Not the wine. I was the like, the Tawny? Port. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Tawny. <laughs> Lots of podcasts to come. Very exciting. Thanks to Tom Warren. Uh, you can tweet at him. He's at Tom Warren. Thanks to Chris Welch. He's at Chris Welch. Alex is Alex H. Kranz. Dieter is Backlon. I am at Reckless. Dieter, by the way, if you listen to that Vergecast Live, explains what Backlon means. Only a little. It's, a, it's an abridged version. <laughs> it's a very long. That's it. We'll see you next week. Rock and roll. Get a shot. Unlike Aaron Rodgers. Oh, my God. <laughs>
thanks to Canva for their support. Canva wants to make your presentations come as easy as those thoughts that pass through your head. And thanks to their AI, you can start with a simple prompt and watch Canva go to work. Choose your favorite style, customize the content, and you're done. It's a serious time saver. Whatever you do for work, Canva presentations can give you a head start on your deck. You can generate sales presentations, marketing decks, HR onboarding plans, you name it. Finish your deck faster. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.